Welcome to the Bear Hug Club, a pro wrestling podcast of positivity. And welcome back to the Bear Hug Club podcast. As always, I am your host, Greg. And um, joining me this week is my boo, Jace. Jace, how's it going, pal? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Uh, so, yeah, as you may have seen, we are now uh, a visual podcast. Ooh, so you can see Ooh. our ugly mugs going forward. Um uh, that, that's if you watch it on YouTube. If you're listening to an audio, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a bit professional with it. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, I'm going to be a bit professional. I'm going to take my dressing gown off. Ooh, see, recording and a show. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're checking us out, uh, our usual co-host, Boo, Garrett, is not here this week. He's got other commitments. So it's just me and Jace taking the, taking the spot on this one. Uh, this week's episode is a continuation from last week where we just had a general discussion about the Royal Rumble. But this week, we are picking our top five favorite matches from the Royal Rumble. So uh, how did you find coming up with this list, Jace? I found it quite difficult. I still don't think I've got my list of five. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I had a bit of trouble with this one as well. Uh, there were some standout matches from there, and I literally went through Wikipedia through every card just trying to see if I could yeah, fit any. I barely got a top 10. I don't know if that's like a reflection on there was a lot there I've not seen. Like, given the fan base we are, uh, a lot of our sort of interests are probably from Attitude Era to like the current yeah. I'd say. Like, I, I've, I've watched a lot of Federation stuff, and there is good stuff there, but a lot of it, it's just stuff I can't go massively back through um i did have one or two that made the short list but yeah generally I'm, I'm quite happy with the top five i've picked and also on top of that we're also going to end it by just saying what our overall favorite rumble matches so just to clarify these are matches that appeared on the rumble card they're not the rumble matches themselves but we are going to end it with saying what our overall favorite rumble match is so yeah um, uh, Garrett's given us this list, so what I think we'll do, if we run through our five to two, and then we'll run through his, and then we'll go straight into our number one, and then overall rumble pick. How does that sound? Yeah, yeah, Super. sounds good. Well, uh, do you want me to start it off then? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so number five. Uh, I went with Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker for the WWE title. Uh, it was a casket match, and it was from the 1998 Royal Rumble. Um, generally, it's one of it's, it's Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. You know, they always deliver a solid match. And this is one of those matches that's a bit hard to go back and watch now because it was this match that caused Michaels to get his back injury that would put him on the shelf for four years and would kind of exacerbate his drug and alcohol issues during that time as well. But for the most part, uh, when you were watching back his during this match, I mean, if he got injured quite, I'd say about early middle through it, you see him land on that casket and it's not pretty to watch back. But yeah. generally you, you couldn't tell like because the professional he is, he still carries on with the match. And yeah, it, it gets a bit overblown in terms of like how Attitude Era stories would. But even the end of the match is just fascinating because this is where you think Kane and Undertaker are finally on the same page, but he betrays him and then puts him in a casket, batters the fuck out of a pickaxe and then sets it on fire quite like massively as well um but yeah just what was a solid that, match I really like. what was that the 
300th time The Undertaker was murdered. Yeah, yeah, I think even by that point he'd been murdered. I mean, there, there is like a bit of a history with Undertaker and casket matches because it was at the 94 Rumble he gets beaten by Yokozuna putting a casket yeah. through that weird thing with his, uh, is it his soul ascending to the rafters? It was a really yeah. bit, yeah. So th- there's, a, there's a bit of a trend. I mean, I, I love a good gimmick match like this, even though, you know, like especially a morbid one like this and Buried Alive, I just love these type of matches. Um Undertaker is the one associated with casket matches, but I'm pretty sure if you look at his like win loss record, it's not exactly like something to write home about. Given that this is meant no. to be his match. <laughs> well, it's like the Undertaker with their last ride matches. Yeah, there's only ever been two last ride matches in WWE. You think right? That's the Undertaker, but he's lost. He's lost both. Yeah, he's lost, but it's just it's just a no go for him. But yeah. uh, again, I love a good casket match, and again, it's got that fun attitude of overblowness. And it's from a Rumble card. I think it's quite underrated. So on the same card, you had The Rock versus Ken Shamrock, which was a pretty solid match. And then the '98 Rumble is a re- good one as well. This is the one where we talked about last week. Has Mick Foley come out not once, not twice, but three times? Um, yeah, yeah I've, I, it's just a solid one. It's just a fun match overall, really. Um, buddy, what is your number five? My number five is, I can't remember the year. I forgot to write the year down. <laughs> no, and it's no but problem. It's, uh, but it's uh, John Cena and JBL for the World oh, Heavyweight okay. title with Shawn Michaels in JBL's corner. Okay, interesting. This was when, uh, this was when the story was JBL had bought Shawn Michaels' contract. So he had him as his little stooge. Okay. And ah. The the deal was uh Michaels makes sure JBL wins the title or he gets fired. Which I think was a really a really entertaining aspect to it because you could sit like you're just like, oh my god, is Sean gonna is Sean gonna do it? Is he not? He didn't. Because this was when he was all about the Jesus. All about the Jesus. <laughs> I honestly can't remember this time. I, I mean, obviously, you remember John Cena and JBL because that was kind of like the big battle when, because obviously it was uh, JBL Cena beat to win the title the first time, I believe. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I remember. One. Yes, but I, I remember the feud. I just don't remember this aspect to it that much. This was like year. This was like years later. This was when, like, yeah. uh, I think this was after JBL had gone on commentary the first time and then went back to the ring. I think this was. This okay. was when they had this was when they had like the the uh, parking lot brawl match. Oh, right. So this is like the second time they were few and this was over the world heavyweight title, not the WWE title. Oh, okay, okay. That might be why I'm drawing a bit of a blank on it. This could have been... I've never been one of those people who have completely dropped off at WWE, but I will hold my hand up and say there was a point where I wasn't watching as like avidly as like people who watch Raw every week. I was mainly keeping up through the online. And even then, it was patchy at best, so maybe that's why I'm drawing a little bit of a blank on it. But, no, no, inter- interesting choice. Not bad. Uh, it was Rocket Straight. And number four, for me, I went with Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins versus John Cena for the WWE title at the 2015 Royal Rumble. Um, this was a solid match. I mean, if I remember right, this was one of those rumbles that isn't remembered too fondly. This was the only really solid match on the card, even including the rumble. But my God, what an absolute 
barnstormer of a match this was. It was one of those ones where it was kind of like the perfect triple threat because you had three different sort of wrestling styles in one. You had like the agility and quickness of Rollins. You just had the pure raw strength of Lesnar. And then you just had Cena who brings his own kind of sort of strength to that match as well. And then throughout it, they like all get their shots to the spine. Like obviously uh, Lesnar gets like, like ripped through a table uh seth basically shows off why at this point he was like kind of showing why he's going to be like the future of the business and it was just kind of like a this is where Cena was on a bit more of an upswing as well like obviously he was kind of turning crowd favor a bit going from mainly being boot kind of showing like oh no he is actually legit good in the ring and yeah just an absolutely tremendous bout from all three of them yeah this one is also on my list it's not number four it's a bit higher up (laughs) but yeah i remember watching this match thinking because at the time I was on like a, a downer on Lesnar because it was mm-hmm. like, it was just rinse and repeat. It was suplex, 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 F5 pin. Yeah. So I was thinking, I don't really want to see another Lesnar match. Yeah. Because you just you just know the outcome. But this one, you watched it and you was like, fuck. Yeah, exactly. It just goes to show that when he, when he can be asked he will put on a good match and he will give people time to shine. I think yeah. I think what would help is like he clearly must have a lot of respect for Cena. So that would have probably obviously helped them motivate this match as well. And I mean, clearly obviously in the future between him and Seth as well, he must have a lot of respect for Seth given the way their future turned out as well. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's just one of those ones that um is just a tremendous go through. Like definitely one of the better rumble like matches on a rumble card in like the last good 10 years, I'd say. It's it's absolutely yeah. Yeah, like I think with this match as well. Well, not not with this match though, but with Lesnar, it's if you approach Les, if you're having a, a match with Lesnar and you approach him and say, "Okay, what do you want to do?" Mm-hmm. Then he's like, "Oh, right, let's do this." Whereas, like allegedly, Dean Ambrose, when they had their match at Mania, approached him and said, "Right, this is what we're doing," and Lesnar was like. No, we're fucking not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I see uh, baby Violet's join us on the pod again. She has. She has. If, if anyone's she been wondering why there's been uh, crying on the pod the last few episodes, it's because uh, baby Violet's joining us. So it's always nice to have her on. <laughs> um, she just wants to be involved. She does, man. She is the heir to this podcast, so people better get damn used to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, she'll, yeah. She'll appear on it one day. We'll have a. In a few years, we'll have a an episode where it's, we'll have Violet on. What do you think of wrestling? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did start young. Jay sent us a lovely video in our group chat of him sat watching AEW with her. So she's going to be a, a def- if you have anything to say of it, and I do as well. She's going to be a lifelong WWE wrestling and general wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, right, to my, much to my partner chagrin. <laughs> All right, buddy, uh, take us for your number four. My number four is Edge versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, good one. That When I was going through my list, I remember spotting that one and remember that was a good one. That didn't quite it was make only a th- Yeah, It was only a 13-minute match, but I remember it being a great match, which is what you'd expect from Edge and Rey Mysterio, obviously part of the SmackDown 6. Oh, yeah. And... I just remember watching this, and it was one of them where Edge was on such a tear at the time, mm-hmm. just being world heavyweight champion. And it was, but it was one of them where you like they could put the title on Rhea. Yeah, like, who's going to win? And I, I, but if I'm remembering rightly, this is the first 
time, well, maybe not the first time, but it's the first time I remember seeing uh, Edge do the mid-air spear on Ray when he's coming off from for a springboard. Oof, yeah, yeah. For, and that was how that was how the match ended. And I just remember thinking, "Ow, <laughs> please <laughs> never let it? that happen to me." Was it kind of a? Because again, it's been a while since we've probably seen this one. Was this along the sort of same same line spears when Roman did it to Shane at Survivor Series? Sort like that of, kind of, yeah. Impact, but, yeah. But uh, they did it properly, and Rey Mysterio <laughs> didn't get concussed. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, like I say, it's what you expect from these two. I mean, by this point, they were both essentially bona fide main eventers. Like Edge would have been in the midst of like a solid world title run. Because it's always funny looking back at Edge's career when he first was given the belt, because he was obviously the first Money in the Bank cash in. It was like they didn't really have the fear for stocking him because it wasn't a long reign. But by this point, he was kind of one of their bankable main eventers. So you always yeah. knew he was going to deliver. And Ray is just a constant professional, like, Whenever you look at his time in the cruiserweights in WCW, he was always smashing it with the likes of Guerrero and Chavo. And then when he did make it to the main event, even though he never shared that underdog persona, you always felt like, oh, you never know. Could this be when he finally regains the belt again? So, yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, should just crack on with number three. Um, yeah, my number three pick is The Rock versus CM Punk for the WWE title at the 2013 Royal Rumble. Um, I think for a lot of people, it would be a bit of a mixed bag, sort of sour note, especially when you kind of think about what followed this match. Um, CM Punk was obviously coming right. This is the end of his epically long reign with the WWE title and the, like the tremendous stuff he did with that. And I think a lot of people saw going into this match what WWE's plan was that, oh, well he's going to give it to The Rock and we're going to get The Rock versus Cena again at WrestleMania. I think that's the, like, like I don't, if they hadn't have billed that as the once in a lifetime, the once first time around, time. people wouldn't have been that pissed off about it. I mean, look, but when you look at it through your eyes, like I, I was like, it, it's two of my all-time favorite wrestlers squaring off in the ring. And if you view it from that angle, it's just, just for that alone. That, that was list. a genuine dream match as well. People probably never yeah. thought you were going to get the Rock and CM Punk, two of the best ever, not just in the ring for an entertainment value, but on the mic. Yeah. Like, I'd say The Rock, maybe with the exception of Chris Jericho, was mm-hmm. the best talker from the Attitude Era. Oh, yeah, 100%. And then you had, and then you had Punk, who was obviously the best talker of the ruthless, maybe early late ruthless aggression pg mm-hmm. era like without a question like there's no one who could touch punk yeah and just the, i remember the promos being on point especially cuz both guys didn't give a shit about following a script yeah exactly what, when... what, what they're going to do sack the rock uh, well it's funny like, i remember it might have been on I don't think it was on the Cult Cabana podcast. CM Punk did. No, it was when he did wrestle uh, Starcast about a year or two ago. I think he talked about this and he met with The Rock and his people to discuss the feud going into it. And um, the the point he made, I think they were like, say, I think they might have handed him a script or something. And Punk basically outright said, no, I'm not going to do that. And The Rock 
respected that because he could see that Punk is a passionate person, is a passionate talker, and that they don't need to write a script for him. He will just deliver what is required. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the match itself is just is brilliant. It's two of the best, in my opinion, of all time, finally squaring off. And um, I, like uh, from my own personal perspective, I agree with Punk. They shouldn't have gone with Cena Rock for the for WrestleMania. And like Punk's idea that he legit pitched them was, why don't you let me keep this title reign and we'll make it a triple threat? And he didn't even care if he went was the first one out if it was like an elimination thing. As long yeah. as he got, finally got that WrestleMania moment he deserved, he'd have been happy. So that's the way they should have gone with this. But then if you take that all out of the equation, it's still a great match, even with the slightly screwy finish because they were still teasing. You know, was Punk in alignment with the Shield? Yeah. And they have to get the Rock on the microphone to be like, you know, the big hero that he is saying, no, if we're going to restart this match, we're going to do it right and all that kind of thing. So. Uh, other than that, though, like for me, it's just like a dream match, and it was great that we got to see it. I should it have taken place on a bigger stage, I think absolutely. But for what it is, at least that is one dream match that we managed to be able to tick off, and I still absolutely love it. Yeah, I think even if like, like you say, with that, it should have been a triple threat at Mania because mm-hmm. that would have been amazing. Because we all like the Rock got injured yeah. during that WrestleMania match, and I think. If I remember rightly, you could see, maybe not see where he got injured, but you could see it like the pace dropped. Yeah. During yeah. that match. And I think if you had that added, added X factor of Punk, then not only would the pace have kept up, but Punk could have, but between Punk and Cena, they could have carried that to probably a five star, five star barn. Yeah. Number. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. Like, like we like to say on this podcast, CM Punk's one of those people you could give him a broom and he could get a five star match out of it. I think. I think looking in hindsight, it should have been at least. It should have either been CM Punk versus The Rock in that main event, or if you want to add Cena, make it a triple threat and have Punk go out that way. Um, did they really need to put the title on The Rock for going to that feud? Maybe not. I mean, it was cool that he at least got one last run of the belt, and he was the one at least got rid of the fucking spinner belt. Fair enough, the belt we got yeah. now isn't much of a better replacement, but it's better than what was essentially just a crappy kid's toy. So, well, I mean, it wasn't, even, it wasn't even a spinner belt at the end, was it? it no, I think like got rid a of that belt, but it didn't spin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look Where at this. It, 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 it doesn't spin anymore. <laughs> I think I think the only really probably enabled that feature again when the Miz had it just so he could put it upside down and be like, look, yeah, M, you know. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, let's say we want to it's still a, a, a dream match for me because it's easily two of my top five favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh yeah. yeah, buddy, number three, please. Mine was exactly the same. Oh shit, no way. <laughs> yeah, my number three was the rock and CM Punk. Yeah. I didn't think you were going to have that on your oh, list really? because, of the, because of the because of the aftermath of it, and having, that was the straw that broke the camel's back with Punk. Yeah. And no, I again, like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to have it. No, I, again, like if if you take what follows after out of the equation, it's again two of the greatest of all time finally squaring off. Um, again, like if I was going to structure that match, I'd have probably done it a little differently, not had such a screwy finish towards the end but hey ho what what can you do it's still it's still up until that point an absolutely tremendous style match and i I think like definitely one of the more standout from a royal rumble especially in terms of star power oh yeah like you 
at the time it was the the hottest commodity the company had against the hot, arguably the hottest commodity the company's ever had, except maybe Austin. Yeah, I mean, because even at the time, Rockman back in, fair enough, it had been what, over a decade since he wrestled, but as soon as they're back in, he's still one of the hottest commodity, commodities they've got. Yeah, it's just a shame that The Rock's last match was against Eric Rowan. Yeah, well, I mean, it looks like he will be back to face Roman because, I mean, uh, since this has come out, um, there's been a lot of changes to this year's Mania. They changed the date, and it is going to be two nights again. And we all were told next year they were going to do the Hollywood one, but that's been delayed another year. That makes me think they might have the rock signed for that. And maybe the reason that they're stretching it next to this, like and delaying it for two years is because they might have him signed for it. And so he can get other commitments out the way. Yeah. Cause I think, I think the rock, I think it was a while ago. He said he was done with in ring, but I think because of Roman, that family connection, that would be the match to entice him back. And the history of it with the Royal Rumble appearance, we helped him win and things like that. It writes itself. And I think he'd be well up for coming back for that. But because of his Hollywood career, because the, the injury he suffered at that uh, the Cena match, that caused a lot of complications with the film schedule, which is what's always going to be a worry for film production. I think he's going to want to get other things out of the way, and then that's why they've delayed it, because then it's on his home, essentially his home turf in Hollywood as well. Yeah. Uh, as long as they don't have The Rock come out and laugh at number 30... Yeah, last last eliminate Daniel Bryan <laughs> because I don't think The Rock will be able to handle getting booed. No, I mean if if it's at if it's at that if it's the if it's the Rumble two years from now for that two years from yeah. now, fair enough. But not I this one. Everyone... I definitely don't think he's going to be at this one. I think this year is Bryan's win, which means mega points for you in our fantasy league, Dick. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, the, um, last couple of, the last couple of days, I've been losing points. Oh, I, I mean, they're not going to the tension, but like, this is the fun thing with the league. One week you could smash it, and then the next you could just be upset. My issue is, every, like, I've had several matches where it's picks I've got. So I'm oh, essentially adding two points, then immediately taking two points away for another person. Well, and it, it just, last, it just keeps last, it plateaued, basically. <laughs> in the last two weeks on Raw, I've had. Charlotte versus Lacey Evans, both my yeah. picks. And then this week, I had Charlotte and Peyton Royce, both yeah. my picks. <laughs> it's 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 going to be interesting to see what the points do throughout the years. But um, I think essentially, if if two of your picks get locked into a major feud, you're essentially knackered on points because it's just yeah. going to keep... It's just going to plateau. <laughs> I'm just glad I can rely on Kenneth Omega. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the care he's, he's he's now, well, obviously he's got AEW, and he's now appearing in TNA. Yeah, Impact, I mean, Impact. So I've got two shows where I can get points from Kenny. I was quite amazed because I, I didn't watch Hard to Kill from that was recently aired, which had him and the Good Brothers in the main event. Yeah. I was amazingly surprised to see them in Bullet Club gear because um, I just don't know how the copyright for that's working because Tamatonga 
came out on his own thing and said that he was incredibly pissed off and felt disrespected. They were essentially calling themselves Bullet Club because essentially they're saying it's a reunion of Bullet Club, but Bullet Club never went anywhere. He's been holding down that fall ever since they all disappeared to other companies. So I'm very surprised Um, to see how they're allowed to do that. I'm sure, uh, well, Impact have a very good relationship with New Japan. Yeah, so that must be it. They used to do... They used to do like cross promotion shows and uh, like I'm sure they did a, a cross promotion show with New Japan in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Where they had uh, the Dudley Boys go over, I think it was uh, Tyson Tomko and A Train for <laughs> the IWGP. Tag, heavyweight tag team titles. Yeah. And then the Motor City Machine Guns go over, I'm not sure which tag team, but for the junior tag team titles. <laughs> so the, if they've still got that very good work and relationship, they might try and work that into a story further down the line. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. They, I mean, might, try and do, they might try and do it like a, a an NWO thing. Like you've got these yeah. different factions of Bullet Club, and then they're going to start feuding within themselves. Yeah, I mean that would be a great thing to see. To be honest, though, and I, I, I kind of had a feeling that they must have had some work and relationship with them still. Maybe there's there's a way that they are just allowing them to use the Bullet Club thing. Um, interestingly, I believe they've tried to file a copyright for the two sweet hand gesture now, because I remember. <laughs> Fucking couple of years ago, they got they got slapped with a suit by WWE for using that, and then that's why they made T-shirts with the hand gesture, but it was censored out because they are just yeah. marketing geniuses. The books, and I remember it was to the point as well. Not long after that happened, I believe Scott and Garrett went to a wrestling show and got to meet Marty Skull afterwards, mm-hmm. and they took a picture and they tried to do the hand gesture, but he said, "Can't do it, lads. Not allowed." <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, that I'm fascinated to see where that goes next. But anyway. Back to the top five. Um, my yes. number two is Cactus Jack versus Triple H for the WWE title in a street fight at the 2000 Royal Rumble. I think for a lot of people, this would be the number one pick, but I've got one that just edges it out. Hands down, uh, Mick Foley's probably Mick Foley's best match, in my opinion, that he had for WWE. Um, by at this point, Mick was basically obviously gearing up to retire. And it's quite fascinating looking back at the history leading up to this match because a few months prior, Mick was essentially stuck in a mid-card feud with Val Venus and didn't look like he was getting anywhere near the main event scene again. But then could forward a few months later, he got in probably the best shape of his life. And through this, he essentially helped cement Triple H as a main event. Because even though he had the title once before this and was kind of getting there, he was struggling a bit. And I think it's Mick, Mick's magic of making stars, because he did the same with yeah. Edge a few years later. It, it kind of shows off in volumes in this match. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, I completely forgot this match was a thing. That's why it's not in my top five. Ooh. If it was, it would have been in my top five. Absolutely. Is, I, I don't know where it would be, but it, it'd be it'd be up there. It'd be up there. Yeah, um, I, I remember, I think I was too young to watch this match when it happened, but yeah. at some point, like probably when got the network, went back and watched old pay-per-views and remember watching this and just the brutality. 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you how I first saw this match. I might actually have to get a prop for this, so excuse me one second. So yeah, like you, I was, I was not, I was too young to watch this match because I got into wrestling at the tail end of 2000 for when it was Armageddon, so December. Um, but then obviously becoming then a fan, going back, watch loads of stuff. And then one of the very first videos I bought, which I now own on DVD, was Mick Foley's Hard Knocks and Cheap Pops. It's yeah. actually still a really good watch to go back through. So there's not like full matches on there. It's it's one of the it's one of the better DVDs to get of Mick Foley if you like his. Um, end of career well what the time is his end of career stuff because it came out in like 2001 um showing his last few matches in highlights and him talking over it. and it also covers a lot of his commissioner stuff which was like the funniest stuff ever yeah. but they, there's a real highlight this where they show the whole build of this feud and the way they edit it's really good so the whole match has got like orchestral music over it and it also has the best kind of edit of um because the, the thing i love about this this had the one of the best pre-match setups where it's Mick Foley still as Mankind and he comes out to say he's not ready to fight Triple H in a street fight at the Royal Rumble but he has a substitution for that match and then he rips open the shirt to show that Cactus Jack is back and oh, it's the, the entire build was absolutely amazing and then you get into the match itself and it's definitely still one of the more brutal matches WWE's ever put on. Yeah, and I, I know how much you love Mick Foley Mm-hmm. Well, I think everyone. I don't think there's a wrestling fan alive who doesn't love Mick Foley. Like, just, even if you don't like his in-ring work, you can't deny yeah. that everything else about him is yeah, he's just untouchable. He's just a top bloke, and uh, what's your favorite Christmas present you've ever you've ever, you've ever received? I will tell the people, Jay. So the best, uh, probably, yeah, still the best ever Christmas present was when you and me used to do our own little little Santa Claus present. Jay's yeah. been the absolute absolute bear and life partner that he is. Got me an autographed Mick Foley, Mr. Socko, which hangs pride in place above my TV on the wall over there. So I get to see it all the time. And it's it's one of my favorites. So Mick, Mick Foley, I mean, we'll, I think this will be a top, easily a top 10 list we'll do one day of our favorite wrestlers. But spoiler alert, Mick Foley is my second favorite wrestler of all time, just beaten out by CM Punk. Um, I absolutely adore the man to death. I mean, um, I was wearing his Cactus Jack t-shirt earlier today, but I had to take it off because it's been a few days old at this point. <laughs> something something he would probably be approve of. I mean, I honestly, yeah. a lot, not even just like in wrestling in general, I, I, I've modeled a lot of my styling on Mick Foley by like my personality, the way I dress. I mean, I've... I rock the final shirts just as much as he does, and that's because of him. <laughs> yeah, I mean Mick, Mick Foley is just one of them guys that, he, like like you said, he, he's the he's the star maker. Yeah, I mean Undertaker was over, but then when he started the feud with Mankind, I think that's what cemented the Undertaker for a lot of people. And then the same with Triple H, Edge. Like that that street fight with Edge at WrestleMania twenty two. Yes, yeah, twenty two. Just insane. The fact that the like the flaming table, like mm-hmm. I couldn't at the time I couldn't remember seeing a flaming table spot before. I think and just, possibly one of the only times the video we might have actually done it, if if I'm right. Um maybe the only exception being one night stand the very first one which might have been the year before i'd have to fact yeah maybe. That. But yeah yeah but uh, yeah just 
it was like whatever McFoley touches turns to gold. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. even even his even his time in TNA was really entertaining, especially because at that time he 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 got the world title in TNA, but he couldn't really wrestle anymore. No, but he still managed no. to make it very entertaining. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with him. Like, even when his wrestling days were long behind him and he probably shouldn't have been in the ring, you were still captivating him. I mean, like we're talking about with The Rock and CM Punk, Mick Foley's up there as one of the best talkers. I'd say he's probably the most impassioned talker. Like, he can bring either humor to it or he can bring such fire that you can't help but feel revved up for a match. Like, again, going back to that segment on SmackDown, which set up this match, the way he sets up and talks about cactus jack as the character in that it's it, you just even if you'd never seen him as cactus jack before him doing that you immediately just thought uh oh, triple h is in deep shit here because it's clearly yeah. a madman he's let loose here but yeah i mean this match as well like it's absolutely it's definitely one of the w's most brutal one i mean triple h bleeds like the stuffed pig throughout this entire match and gets all kinds of injuries. I, I think I think the, the segment alone, which makes it like gnarly, is when the thumbtacks come out to play and Mick takes a fucking pedigree on them. Like, yeah. and there's one basically nearly stuck in his eye. It's just yeah. insane. Like, just what what Mick Foley allowed his body to go through for our entertainment is more than anyone should ever have to. Yeah, <laughs> and I. I I genuinely think if it wasn't for probably his wife and kids, he would have went another five years. Yeah, I think I think he was definitely one of the smart people who decided, you know, to get out because for yeah. the sake of his family, even if he was enticed back every now and again. Um, I, I, I mean, it's hard to say because I think the main reason he was getting ready, even at this point, to retire is because of the injuries. Because, I mean... That's the yeah. thing with Mick. He's a good wrestler. He's a solid one. Definitely, definitely when it comes to in-ring work, he's not obviously the best of all time, but he can put on a solid match when he wants to. His main thing to stand out was that he would take unbelievable punishment. I mean, the thing that put him on the map was doing a running elbow off the ring apron onto concrete floors. And people yeah. were like, how in the hell is he doing that? <laughs> and he just kept up the idea ever since then. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think at one point we need to do a video just on Mick Foley. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think like like we've been saying, we're trying to branch out. Um, got a little teaser for for people at the end about uh, our YouTube channel. So, I think we'll look to do some more exclusive content, and then maybe some wrestling profiles just to talk about our favorite people. Because I could sit here and talk about Foley forever. But for the sake of uh, this episode, Jace, why don't you run us through your number two now? My number two is the Undertaker versus Rey Mysterio. Ooh, nice one. And I believe, if I'm if I'm right in thinking this, this was when, in the lead up to, Taker Michaels two at Mania. Okay. And it was, uh, Shawn Michaels was, uh, disrespecting Rey Mysterio. Well, disrespecting Rey Mysterio by saying, "You're not going to win. I'm going to go on win the Rumble. Then I'm going to have the match with the rematch with Taker at." mania and i think just obviously solid match that you'd expect from the undertaker and Rey mysterio yeah and but i think the aftermath is what made it for me Mm -hmm. well that was the thing with this one and from right was this where michael's 
tried was in the rumble and tried to win because he knew he'd get a face taker. Didn't win that, and then he costs Taker the belt in Elimination Chamber, doesn't he? Just so yes. he could set that up. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Costs him, like, pops out from under the floor and then allows Chris Jericho to go on and win the title. But it's one of them where this match, I think for a lot of people, the aftermath of this match, like I say, with the lead-up to WrestleMania 26, was mm-hmm. overshadowed it. But this match is, it, it's a bit of a sleeper, if I'm honest. Okay. Because obviously a lot of people will, will agree that it should be high up on the list, but I think for the more casual fan, they're probably like, eh. But it's, yeah. I think it's a sleeper. I think it's a solid match. And just the aftermath, just icing on the cake. But the story that these two were able to tell, mm-hmm. of which Rey Mysterio does so well against the bigger opponents. Yeah, so, well, I mean, the ability of The Undertaker just these two could have had a WrestleMania main event and it wouldn't have felt out of place. I agree. I think that's the thing with Ray. I mean, given his size, he kind of knew he has to really bring it with big man matches. And I think that's he's always going to be the underdog going into them. But it's the fact that, like he'll always pull off something ridiculous to, to try and get them down to his level. That's what you always have to look out for when he goes up against these kind of people. Like you've seen it when he battled the likes of Lesnar recently. That there's always something there he's going to do to try and like get his get get over the fact like he could feasibly beat them, even though. Typically, it'll always fall short. And yeah, I think it's definitely like a solid match choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, like, there's another, there's another two we could do a video, a video on Rey Mysterio and The Undertaker. Yeah. And especially with Rey Mysterio, with his, obviously, Rey Mysterio Jr. Yeah, starting off there. His uncle, the original Rey Mysterio, not letting him use the name till he'd earned it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, props to him for being yeah. able to earn it, especially from the from the Lucha Libre style, where obviously wrestling's built on respect, but that Lucha Libre style, it's cranked up to to eleven the respect, but to, from to go out and earn that on his like on his own merit, off his own back, is fantastic and a credit to the man yeah i agree but yeah i mean if we did an undertaker one that would have to be what like 10 parts long <laughs> well at least <laughs> at least at least at least four we could do the original dead man the ministry of darkness american badass and then return to the dead man yeah, but even then, they'd be so long part. I mean, it'd still be a good ride to go through. I think that's something we'll definitely look into doing a retrospective, if you like, on a wrestler's career. I think that would be a fun shout. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about this match before we go through Garrett's picks? Um, no, let's just go through Garrett's picks. Let's go through Garrett's. Let me get his list up. As you can tell, we're very professional here at this podcast. Um, we, we, we've gone carefully. We're protecting the yes, environment. Yes, we have. We are environmentally friendly here. We're ahead of the curve. Uh, da, 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 da. There we go. Nope, that's the wrong chat. Okay, here we go. So he went through, looking at the list, there's quite a few that we've already talked about. The main one he wanted to bring up, which I assume would have probably been his number one pick because he didn't put these in any order, was the AJ Styles-John Cena match. That's which, my number one. 
Ah, spoilers, man. <laughs> okay, well, we won't say too much about that, but he basically wanted us to hammer at home how good that match was, and absolutely, I agree. It didn't make my list uh, because of my number one pick, but uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll go into a lot of detail on that on your choice. He also had Undertaker and Mysterio, mm-hmm. from, uh, we just talked about. He also had Lesnar, Cena, and Rollins as well. Yeah. Um, then he had, he, there was a toss-up between two here that I think he left us with. Uh, I'll mention one of them because the other one's my number one pick. So he had uh, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit as well, which I think was 2003. So it was just before Benoit would eventually skyrocket to the main event picture the following year. Um, yeah. And as mentioned, I will save the last one because it's my number one pick. Uh, tell you what then, mate, if you want, it seems like you've already mentioned it, why don't you go for your number one first? Yeah, um... This match, John Cena, AJ Styles, I believe it's the second, it was AJ Cena 2. Mm-hmm. And just, the, I remember what, before the first match they had, I remember they were both in the ring. And before they'd even said a word, like this was it before the even match had been announced, they were just in the ring on a SmackDown and just the crowd was going mental. Yeah. Absolutely losing their shit over the, prospect of this match and the first match just showed how good both these guys are i think this was the real turning point for cena yeah. with the crowd it's like, like oh shit this this guy can actually this guy can go he's yeah. not just the five moves of doom I think that's the thing. I think a lot of people would probably, especially those like avid seen Hayes, would say, well, it's just AJ carrying him through a match. And it's like, no. Like, here's no. the thing. Like, fair enough. Cena, I can understand a lot of the hit for Cena, but you can't deny he's he's a good wrestler because he is. And and he will sort of make good decisions when it comes to being in the ring. Fair enough. He's made a lot of bad ones as well, but he's always been, especially at this point, he's now a solid wrestler and deserves the mantle that he has. And this match is proof of that. Like Cena more than carries his own in this match. And like, it, it, it's one of if you're get if you're one a match that's of this caliber and that could reach like such a good status, both men need to be bringing that perfect synergy. It can't just be relied on one to carry the other one through it. Yeah. And the reason why this match is so good is because both men like bring, Bring it to this match. Yeah, I, th- I also think with with the Royal Rumble match, I believe it's. I might be getting the matches confused, but I believe this is the one where they said, "Right, we're not going to leave the ring." Mm-hmm. From from bell to bell, they do not leave the ring. Everything is left inside, mm-hmm. and I think to be able to do that, like these days, is a very hard thing to do. I don't think many people could pull that off I think it was just I, I can't even remember realising it at the time I was like oh shit they haven't left the ring because you didn't need to Like, it was just a perfect a perfect match for the yeah, story it's... the story that they were telling yeah I agree I mean um, that's the thing you really don't see many matches that do just keep it in the ring like it seems like every match now has to have outside stuff I mean that's the kind of way it is now wrestling like a lot of like suicide dives and out, out maneuvers are the norm now so a lot of matches will feature them but yeah when you see something like this it is just like a nice throwback to like how it used to be yeah and I think with this it goes to how like, like you say how it used to be but it's one of them I, th- I think it was Jim Cornette was saying that uh, it used to be if the main event was going to have a chair spot, 
no other match was having a chair spot. Yeah. If the main event had someone going through a table, no one else was going through a table. Mm-hmm. And this was sort of like that, where it did something that no other match on the card did. Yeah. Keep it between the ropes. Tell your story, not through stupid spots, not through people going through tables, getting chucked into the steps, not having it spill out in the crowd. It was just two guys in the ring putting on an absolute clinic. Yeah, of how good they they are, and like people will say, people will say, like you said, it's because of AJ, it's because of AJ, and but no, Cena. You could tell by Cena he was having the time of his life in that match. He was wrestling his little heart out. <laughs> Big match, John wrestling his little heart out. No, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, like going back to there, like I like Jim Cornette is one of those figures that I think is very outdated with his views, but I do kind of agree with his sentiments that certain things should be kept to one per match. You know what I mean? Uh, like, like, especially because it was the big thing. Then, if there was like probably a blade job again, it would, could only probably be yeah. one match as well. I kind of agree with that sentiment because then it means you are getting more of a variety on the show. So that, again, that's why this kind of match stands out. It is very much an old school throwback. They just keep it in the ring, and it is just basically one of those rare times where WWE do just gives you a pure wrestling match. They yeah. don't try to bog it down with storyline elements. They don't try to bog it down with like the props or weaponry. It is just actually going out there and letting them wrestle. And it's two of the best ever, really. Yeah, I think it's 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 something that WWE don't really appreciate. That the the uh, these guys can just go out and tell a story mm-hmm. and not rely on the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. I think WWE thinks, well, oh, to tell this story, we need we need a stretch of feud out for six months. Yeah. And no, you don't. Like they no. had two match this was their second match together. And it was storytelling, a storyteller masterclass from a wrestling standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I think WWE need to let more guys have that, especially the guys who've done the indies who know how to work a crowd that isn't yeah. necessarily a WWE crowd. Yeah, I agree. Well, you, you see a lot of that in, in NXT, sorry, because that is yeah. sort of, uh, I don't want to say this like it's bad. It is very much the indie darling show. That's yeah. where wrestlers come from the indies. And that they, they, are, they are there because they, they have to basically be taught the WWE way of doing things. Yeah. Well, you're right. I, f- I feel like um, WWE should be kind of maybe changing its style up a bit more to fit what they're doing in NXT because that is the more popular gra- brand for like a lot of people. And again, it do it, it like it still has a lot of the different elements there of being a bit showy, having some storylines and a bit more of a gimmicky. But for the most part, it is just about solid wrestling, which is why their tag division's a lot better. It's why the women division has a lot more better focus as well. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, it's just great to see something like this every now and again pop up on a WWE show. Um, and it's yeah. definitely going to be one of the most standouts for like years to come. Vince, uh, Vince, I know, Vince, I know you're listening. Can we have more of that, please? Yeah, Vince, I know I know you don't like the big W word, but you are a wrestling show. It is in your title, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> like what, what is it? What is it? Bret Hart said uh, WWE was a wrestling show pretending to be a TV, sh- an entertainment show. 
in ECW was an entertainment show pretending to be a wrestling show. <laughs> but I, believe that was Bret, I, I believe that was the Bret Hart quote. <laughs> so it definitely sounds like something he'd say. Uh, right then, well, might as well go into my number one pick. Um, yes. I'm going to preface with this by saying I do not condone the actions that this man would later go on to do in life, and I'm not by any way trying to glorify him here. Speaking just purely as the match itself and a fan, my number one pick, and the pick Garrett also put on his list, is Chris Jericho versus Chris Benoit in the Intercontinental title ladder match from the 2001 Royal Rumble. Um, for me, this is the best ladder match WWE put on possibly ever, and it's like obviously now it's something that they can't ever talk about because of who's in it. Yeah. Um, like I said, there, like I don't ever glorify what Chris Benoit did and it, this is just purely separating the art from the artist here like I'm not going to be the guy to go out and buy a Chris Benoit action figure put on my shelf and wear one of his t-shirts but I can go back and watch his matches and just try and appreciate them for the work because you can't deny he was a terrific wrestler um like I said, this is probably the best ladder match they ever did because what I like about it is ladder matches have a tendency, they are essentially a spot fest match. What I yeah. like about this is this is kind of like how ladder matches used to be where the ladder is used as a genuine tool. It's not just there so they can set up, do a big jump off it. Like Ben Juan Jericho actually try and use the ladder to try and make sure they're trying to get over the other one without having to do something very spotty or gimmicky like Ben Wall gets pinned under the ladder at one point. They do a really kind of cool tarantula, uh, tarantula submission at the top of it as well. So I feel like a lot of it, the ladder isn't really even into play. Like I think for the good first chunk of the match, it's just them two going backwards and forwards. And even when it's there, it's not like it's stealing the show. It yeah. is purely there so they can do a few interesting things with it, but only it's still a match. I'd say one of the things that definitely kind of makes you like look back on and go, ah, that, that even though it's a really gnarly looking spot is when Benoit does a suicide dive and gets clocked right in the head with a chair. Given yeah. what we know following that, that's the one thing that can kind of take you out of it a little bit. But that aside, it's still just an absolutely terrific match. Like you, as you were obviously fantastic match, like mm -hmm. just it's a shame who's in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think part of the reason they didn't really use the ladder as a spot fest as far as like just having a spot fest match is because of Jericho. Because mm -hmm. I, th I think I'm right in remembering that he said that he refused to take bumps falling from a ladder. Possibly. I mean, it seems I, like something you might say. I think he was very always very conscious of keeping his body relatively risk, like not putting his body through too many risks. That's why I think he's yeah. only ever had like one semi-serious injury mm -hmm. he's never really had injuries that have made him take months off yeah well like it's kind of like when you look like we said before you look at a person like mick foley who would put his body through whatever it took yeah. just to get that reaction jericho is the opposite where he is smarter where he won't take unnecessary bumps but then if you put him in this kind of match he'll at least come up with something for the fans to still be entertained by it because like i'm yeah. trying to I think in this match, there really isn't like a major bump off the ladder. I think there might have been one superplex from it. That's yeah. probably the biggest one you get from it. And then Benoit, I think, might do a diving headbutt as well. Again, kind of doesn't like when you look back at the, what would come. It's not great, but still. Yeah, for the most part, it remains relatively 
spot like heavy spot free like i said the ladder is strictly there as just a tool or an implement and it's worked nicely into the match it doesn't steal the show and it's not like because like I, I, there's been ladder matches are still fun to watch today but when you watch them it feels like it's constantly um a bid to outdo what's come before it so yeah. like now they'll have maybe five ladders in the ring and they're all connected to one another to form some kind of yeah. weird structure you know what i mean and realistically you don't need that yeah, exactly. And like realistically, you don't need that. Like, because I mean, it was the same thing with Razor and Sean in the very first ladder match, which some again, some people would say is still the best ladder match they've ever done. It's well, not it, there it, to do stupid spots, it's there just as yeah. a tool. Like during that match, wasn't that literally just a ladder they found lying about? They didn't, um, take, they didn't take their own ladder, they just assumed there'd be one at the arena. So I but it took them eight, it, it, there was literally one ladder hmm. in the building. That they could use, and they nearly broke it. Oh, well, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's true. I mean, it sounds like it could be something, but yeah. I'm sure, um, I've, heard someone, I'm sure I've heard something. It was like I'm sure it was a Shawn Michaels ladder match. Might have been. I mean, it might, it might have been Shawn and Brett. It could. I reckon it could have been Shawn and Brett because most people think it was Shawn and Razor was the first one when actually Brett and Shawn had been doing it on house shows yeah. for a bit to test yeah. it out. So that sounds like it could be more in line with that. Like maybe they decide, maybe they pitched the idea and they were like, well, we'll have to find a ladder and they just got what they could lying around. Um, yeah. Cause I think the thing is when, when you actually think about ladders, I mean, how many ladders have you ever seen that actually has two sides of runs? Yeah. That's, that's, that's how you know it's a WWE creation. Cause if you see other promotions, do ladder matches and typically only one side has the runs because I think you I don't know if you can really get ladders with double with both sides. I might be I might be wrong, but I've certainly no, never I, seen I don't think I've ever seen one in B in B and Q. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I think that's definitely something of their creation. But yeah, um I still love this match despite who's in it. And again, just to kind of bring this argument up, I it, we, we can never be one of those people that obviously condone what he did because obviously what he did was horrific. But I, I, I believe firmly for the most part in the argument you can separate the art from the artist. If you can go in and watch a Benoit match, like obviously it's always going to be a mind and what he did, but I can still go back. I won't regularly go back and watch them. I'm not saying I'm an avid no. fan who goes back much all the time, but I can easily put on this match and just try and enjoy it for what it is. So Yeah, he's it's one of them like that you say separate the art from the artist. You can't, you can't watch his match and not, at least at some point, think, think about yeah. what he did. But he is one of, just from a pure in-ring standpoint, he is one of the best, possibly one of the most underrated workers ever. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it's one of. Them, I wouldn't like, necessarily say underrated. I would just say underappreciated at times. Yeah. Yeah, because people, everyone knew he was the best wrestler on the planet. It was just other than when he won the Rumble and Mania Twenty and had that run of the world title. Everything before and afterwards was when he kind of was a bit underappreciated by WWE for what they had. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can. He wasn't. Other than his ring, he wasn't the best talker and stuff like that. So I can understand why he no. maybe wasn't putting that picture too much. But yeah, definitely underappreciated, I'd say. Just one thing about Chris Benoit that always pops into my head when I watch a match of his was the series of matches he had with Orlando Jordan. For the US title? 
the US title where he keep, kept beating him in quicker and quicker time and then kept doing these sketches backstage. Oh, I can do this in less time. It's like, he'll go and have a shower. He'll make himself a cup of coffee. <laughs> I remember being really entertained by that. Yeah. And then when they finally got to have a proper match, they played it off like Orlando Jordan had gone and found every single possible counter to the crossface. Mm-hmm. So then he beat him with a sharpshooter. Yeah. I mean, see, that's that's kind of where you can kind of see the talent was there. And again, if if I don't think anyone should ever really feel that bad about going back to watch his stuff, as long as you're obviously keeping it in context. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure he'll be a name that will pop up on this pod in time, but it's not like we're going to go out of our way to do a whole episode in tribute. Oh, no. we're, we're not sick. <laughs> um, well, well, we are, but just, we're not morbid. We're not morbid. We're not morbid. Um Right, mate. Well, uh, so we've run for a top five, but as I said, we're going to end on just picking our overall actual favourite Rumble match. So do you want to take us through what would be your favourite Rumble match? I have a really hard time with this because the Rumble is my favourite match. Yeah, absolutely. That can never happen because there's just so much going on. Surprise returns, uh, shocking eliminations, sometimes shocking winners. But I've got to say, I think my favourite Rumble match, it's a toss-up between two. It's a toss-up mm-hmm. between, I believe, 2006, where Rey Mysterio won. Okay, cool. Yeah. And 2020. Oh, nice. No, 2020 was a solid one. That was probably... It was just so different to any other Rumble that we'd seen with Lesnar. For the majority of his time in the match, he was just stood there. Yeah. Well, we talked about this on the last episode. It, yeah. that, that could have easily been a rumble that was either going to go one way or the other. If you have, yeah. we all knew Lesnar was coming out number one and we probably all assumed he was going to dominate. It could have easily just fell apart with people getting really sick of it. And I think it, it, it was it was nearly going to turn that way until Drew came out. And thankfully, it means it, it capped it perfectly. But at least at least then it kind of it did show Lesnar's willing to sort of put over and sell for people, even if he was eventually just going to crush them. Like like I said yeah. last week, his reaction to Keith Lee was just yeah. like absolutely perfect in his own kind of roundabout yeah. way. <laughs> what made that work as well is like when people were coming out, like Keith Lee, and then you had, I believe you had Big E and Kofi. You think, oh, these are the people who was going to get it, especially when Kofi came out because, oh, they're going to give him a little bit of a little bit of retribution for the world for the WWE title yeah. shit show. So, oh, it's going to do that, and then, oh no, oh fuck, Lesnar might win this, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's. No. It was just every, it like everyone who came out was either, oh, it actually could be this person, or, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, think that was the thing. I think that was the thing as well because at the time, um, Brew, Brew, Drew was potentially on that list, but he, again, he was only just coming off the back of things with Ziggler and that, so he wasn't. Many people wouldn't have still seen him at that main event level. Yeah, and see him win and go on the rocket rise. He has been tremendous. And then you look at the other stuff in the world. I mean. That return from Edge is going to go down as being one of the most probably replayed Rumble clips ever. I mean, it already probably has after this past year, but for ones to come, that'll always be like a top ten moment for me because it was we, we knew potentially he was going to be there, but when he did come out, yeah. like that has been one of those rare moments where I was just sat with a group of people and we all leapt out of our seats and just screamed at the TV because yeah. we were so happy to see him back. Like I want to give more props to Edge for that because his wife, Beth Phoenix, was in the back 
getting her head stapled together. Yeah. Because of what happened in the women's rumble. Yeah, yeah. So he was he went out there thinking, oh shit, my wife's pissing blood out of the back of her head. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're all the they're wrestlers though, that it comes with the territory, eh? <laughs> yeah, but especially yeah. with both of them. Well, Beth had done a few matches, done the odd rumble. Mm. And but both of them being retired for well, yeah. edge edge a decade. Oh yeah. Beth, maybe a bit longer. I think she, she left before or slightly after. I might have been slight. I think it was just slightly either way. I'll have but, a look. Yeah, yeah. I think it could be right. It was roughly around the same time because Beth, yeah. Beth was kind of the standout actual women's wrestler when um, there was. It was mainly just divas who couldn't actually wrestle. Yeah, because so, it was like. Well, it was Beth and Natalia were the only two women's wrestlers. Uh, she basically carried on into 2012. So, yeah, she would have still been there just after yeah. Edge had to retire. So, she, she, so I mean, uh, even then it was still like a good eight year gap potentially when yeah. she'd last wrestled. Um, yeah, but that Edge coming out was beautiful, especially for him to come out. And they could have done it either way. They could have done it where he's going to come out, spear a couple of people, get eliminated. Yeah. No. He came out, he speared a bunch of people, and he ended up finishing third. Yeah. Like, that was the thing as well. Like I think it would have been very easy just to have him come out and be one of those typical returns. You let him come out, hit his big moves, gets chucked out within a minute or two. I love yeah. the fact that they gave him such a good spot and it showed like... It'd been ten years, but it looked like he'd never missed the beat. In fact, he looks he looks better than ever, to be honest. Like yeah. that he looked shredded. That grey beard makes him look hot as fuck, not gonna lie. Yeah. And he just looks like even in better shape than when he left. And like I can't wait. I can't obviously he's out on injury at the moment. I can't wait to see him come back and what they have next for him. Um yeah, yeah brilliant. But if he makes uh, his return at the rumble. Imagine oh, if he returned at this one, and that would be three times he's managed to have a surprise return at a rumble. <laughs> yeah, that might be a record. Yeah. That'd be that. That'd be like his own little personal record for like a good best. Oh no, I think I think the record would probably go to Godfather. True, he's had he's had like a few every, nice returns. I think like every other year, Godfather makes a surprise return at the rumble. <laughs> I'm calling it now. Godfather is going to be at the rumble. I will I will raise that, sir, and say it won't be the Godfather. It will be Papa Shango. Ooh. Yeah. Do mm. something a bit different for him. <laughs> get get the top out, back out, the bow necklace, get the face paint on. People will love it. <laughs> People will love it in the wake of 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we put this on TV now? We sell action figures still of them. Yeah. Who knows? Um... I will run through mine then. So yeah. carrying on for my number one pick, my number one Rumble match of all time is the 2001 Royal Rumble. Um, I think I've said before in the pod, like I got obviously into wrestling around 2000. So this was my first ever Royal Rumble I saw. And to be honest, it's just still remain there. Obviously the nostalgia factors is there, but I think for a lot of people, this would easily make top five Rumble matches of all time because it's yeah. just so varied and interesting. Like it, it kind of goes through stages of what happens in it. So you've got like... The first few people starting off, Drew Carey obviously shows up. 
Then yeah. Kane comes in, nearly murders him, <laughs> and then it kind of turns into a bit of a hardcore Royal Rumble. Like they does bring it, out all the Curry, uh, try to offer Kane money. Yeah, he does. He, he pulls out a couple, a couple of bills, and Kane just like swats them away and gets them up in the chokeslam position. Props for Drew Carey. Like Kane lifts oh, him yeah. up and holds him there. That couldn't have been fun for Drew, who's never wrestled in his life. But no. it's well, definitely sure how strong Kane, Kane is. is. Yeah. Well, is it, was it on table of table for three? The Big Show said uh, the three strongest people he's ever worked with were Lesnar, Cena, and Kane. Yeah, yeah. And and then he talks about. Yeah, at one point, Kane had him up for like a, a power slam and he, he got distracted by something. He was just walking around the ring holding the Big Show. And the Big Show's like, put me down, you son of a bitch. Then you just hear his Kane laughing under his mask. Laughing under the mask. <laughs> that is actually one of my favourite Table of Three episodes because it's so funny. Yeah, but um, Really good. Yeah, um, from there, after the Drew Carey bit, you've got the hardcore bit, which got yeah. some interesting spots to see Raven take a bowling ball to the nuts, which must have been quite fun to do. Um, and then it just keeps going from there. And again, it's one of those rumbles where it has such immense star power. Like at this point, we had so many big main eventers. They had an, an amazing mid-card as well, like one of the best yeah. where everyone felt like they had something to do at the time. Um and just great, and even then, like they had, they still had a good, a few surprise returns. Like the, like I said last week, the honky tonk man comes out, goes to try and sing a song, and then Kane just bashes him with a guitar and just fucking gets rid of him over the top rope. Um, Haku, which was one of the more stranger and returns, and he was actually back for a little while for the company before leaving again. Um, but yeah, and then even just down to the final bit with Austin, it's just all tremendous. I, I, I've probably that's probably got to be not only the most. Not only the Rumble match I've watched the most, but one of the more wrestling matches I've seen the most, and I never get tired of it. I think it's like that with most Rumbles. Even a weak Rumble is still good. It's like yeah. pizza. It's because it's like such a long match and a lot happens. You could go back and watch a Rumble several times, and chances are you'll spot something you might have missed. And that's yeah. kind of like the truth to Rumble, especially when, fair enough, a lot of it is like them just kind of awkwardly in the corner getting trying to get lifted out. But if you watch back through, you'll always kind of pick up something you might not have seen before. And that's why yeah. they're always, they never get bored. And again, it's like we said last week, it's next to WrestleMania. It's one of the more uh, open wrestling shows that you can show a non-fan and they'll have a good time with it because it's just a simple premise and it's just yeah. overall fun. Like they're always going to do something unique with it. And we really can't wait for the one coming up next Sunday. Yes, next yeah, Sunday from recording. 31st, yes. <laughs> Got my dates wrong. January 2021. Um, any, <laughs> anything else you want to say on the Rumbles, mate? Uh, yeah, the one thing I want to say about the Rumbles is I know we're a, we're a podcast of positivity. Yes. <laughs> but the one negative thing I will say is it's not negative now, so much, but it's predictable winners. Yes, I agree. I think for a long time, you just knew who was going to win. But I think they've sort of got gone away with that a little bit because uh, the year Shinsuke won. Yes, yeah. I think everyone expected it, but they didn't think they were actually going to go through with it. Probably they, People probably thought, oh, they're going to go with Roman. Mm-hmm. And I actually looked. Well, I saw something the other day. Roman has never not been in the final four for a Royal Rumble. No, ever. Oh, right. For all all of his appearances, essentially. 
all of his appearances in a Royal Rumble match, he's never not been in the final four. Mm. I think the only time he hasn't been in the final two yeah, was, the year right. H, was the year Triple H won. Because that was him and uh, Ambrose. Ambrose. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. I think there was, there was that one brief moment where everyone thought Ambrose could win. Yeah. And he didn't. <laughs> um, Hunter got out that golden shovel. Got the. <laughs> Dug, dug, dug the hole, you know. Yeah. No, I agree, mate. I think I, mean, I think that's what can dampen a Royal Rumble is when they don't have enough people in it that you could feasibly point to and say that could yeah. win. But I think they've they've really sort of rectified that. I think that was a big thing during maybe the late 2000s into the 2010s. Like, it, it was a little bit predictable around those points. But thankfully, the last few years, like, generally, they've, they've had some decent and surprise winners, like the Shinsuke one drew this year. Um, so we're really excited to see what they could do going forward for 2021. Yeah. And, uh, one thing I want them to bring back is in between the matches on the card, have the wrestlers be there and pick their number. <laughs> I used to always think they were fun, especially the uh, Eddie Stoll Ric Flair's number. That was brilliant. I, that, to be fair, though, I don't think they could ever top that because it was just so funny. <laughs> I think with some of the guys they've got now, they could like maybe not as funny, but they could definitely do like something. Especially they could couple it with the twenty four seven title. Yeah, I, I, even then, like there's just it's just fun segments. Like going back to the two thousand one Royal Rumble, I remember. It's just Brook and Varad, uh, Bradshaw and Farouk sat in the APA office, just smoking, drinking beer. And then they start comparing yeah. numbers and thinking yeah. it's interesting. And then Crash Holly comes in saying, even though they're friends, he'll have to throw them over the top rope. Like that would ever happen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's like a, I'd be. That's fun things that are kind of absent now. I think. I think. I think because they don't do draws anymore. Really, it's kind of down yeah. to matches a lot more. And then it's just because of the online exclusivity of being like so and so has confirmed themselves for the Royal Rumble. So yeah, but I think but I, think, I think they could have. Fun it's good. I think it's good because like I don't think. I think they need to get away from... Obviously, there's some people you know is going to be in the Rumble. Like, yeah. any of the main eventers who haven't got a title, chances are they're in the Rumble. Yeah. But I think for the most part, they need to keep it... Surprised. Surprised. Because yeah. you could be thinking, oh, well, The Miz could come out. And then... Or like you could, Oh, these guys are definitely going to come out. But then you could have, like... Coco Beware... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think I agree. I mean, they still obviously keep a few names back, but I, I prefer my Rumble where you're not told anyone who's going to be in it ahead of time. The only time I, yeah. I like that is when they used to make it a big deal that people would have to fight for the number 30 spot. Because again, yeah. going back to the 2001 Royal Rumble, uh, you knew Rikishi had got the 30 spot and they really hyped that up throughout the match. So I do miss yeah. that kind of element to it. But ah, it's still the Rumble. Still love it. Still absolutely yeah. love it, regardless of the shortcomings. Um, Just anyway. one question, one more negative question. Sure. Who is your least favourite Rumble winner? Regardless of who they are as a person. Yeah. Just who do you think won the Rumble, but you're just like, uh I'd say, again, I, I, like, I like all these as wrestlers. One of them I don't necessarily like altogether, but uh, I'd probably say Alberto Del Rio. Yeah, never. Uh, yeah, I never really, never really saw him as a main event. That was just something that I feel like they really wanted to go with. Yeah. Sheamus as well. 
again, I love Sheamus, but I've again wasn't someone I would have ever thought would be a Rumble winner. Yeah. And then just look because of looking back of what should have happened, uh, Batista, his second win when he came back. Like, because even, even he said he shouldn't have really been ever put in that spot. But yeah. At least he's aware of that. Yeah. Like, one I'm going to say is the last time Randy won the Rumble. Yes, that was another one. That was, that like... that was a, I think that was a predictable one. Mm-hmm. And. It should have been someone like a, like an Ambrose, like a Rollins. Yeah, because that was was that the one where it led into him fighting Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Yes, yes, it was. Um, I, th- I think I think people were still a bit surprised that it was given to him, but yeah, like they could have really used someone else. Like I don't mind duplicate wins if it makes sense. Like if you've got that red hot star that can pull it off, like Austin did. But yeah. I, I feel like now there's just too much of an expectation that the Rumble should be used to try and maybe push someone new or push someone that like hasn't yeah. had that shot for a while. Hence why I think people will be absolutely over the moon with Daniel Bryan winning because it's been a long time coming. And it's just like a nice like thing to give to him as he's starting to wind down career-wise. So Yeah, just yeah. give him that. Give him the Rumble. Give me some points. <laughs> Let Jason I'm run away with this. <laughs> well, I think Where's that'll wrap. <laughs> it's coming. Um, well, I think I'll wrap it up there, pal. So, a couple of quick plugs to get out of the way. So, as mentioned, um, we've been teasing. We're trying to do more things with YouTube, especially now that we've got video. Hello. Um, what we're gonna do? I've already like I've already shot a pilot episode for a new show called Outside Perspective, which is essentially me getting a bunch of my non-wrestling friends in to watch, show them a match and get their perspective on it. We filmed it there. It was brilliant. So I'm hoping that might actually be up before. I thought you said it was called Outside Interference. Outside Interference. Fucking up my own name. Do you want to try that again and edit it out? (laughs) Ah, okay. We'll just go with it. Take two. Uh, Yes, it's Outside Interference. Um, Essentially, like I said, I'll get some of my non-wrestling fans in and show them a match and then just get their kind of outside perspective on a match. Um, It was really fun to do. We talked about the final deletion match as the first one. So Mm. it was quite a nice one to start with. Um, So it could already be out by the time this comes out. If not, just keep your eyes peeled to the YouTube channel. As always, if you're wanting to follow us on any of the other channels, it's the Bear Hug Club podcast for Facebook and YouTube, Bear Hug Club pod for Instagram, and Bear Hug Club for Twitter. It's at the bottom of the screen right there. Um, next week, it's the return of Survival of the Quizzist, our monthly quiz show. I believe Jace is raring to rip that belt away oh, from Oliver. That title is coming home to daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I can say that because I'm the only dad. Yeah, you can actually, legit. So I uh, will look forward That's to that Winston one. Would say, I am the daddy. <laughs> so yeah, look forward to that one. And we're, it's so far the quiz, the last one we did is probably one of our most listened to episodes. So if you've been checking us out or any of our episodes, thank you so much. Let us know in the comments or on social media who what your top five Rumble matches are, what your overall Rumble match is. Um, and... Please join us next week for the quiz. Take care, everyone. Cheery, bye.